You're listening to the Ranch Stewards Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the stewardship and conservation of grasslands, diverse ecological landscapes, and the salt of the earth individuals who dedicate their lives to this endeavor. And now here's your host, Haley Ship. How do you create a podcast meaningful enough to throw into a space that may or may not be saturated, telling a story that could be so small but is really so big? at least so big to the people that matter. And those are the people that I get the honor of speaking for, a people known as ranchers, specifically a people known as ranchers in Northern Montana who have spent their lives and in many cases, the lives of their families for generations, caring for their land, their livestock, and sometimes having to fight for their livelihood. It's rough country. It rained this year, bringing along a sense of hope that hasn't been here for the past few. And that deprivation of good news isn't uncommon, but there's a resilience in the struggle, one that you may not feel when you're in it, but that is sure easy to recognize when you see it from the outside. Welcome to the Ranch Stewards Podcast, a project of the Rancher Stewardship Alliance. And I am the person you're stuck with. I am Haley Ship. I am your host. Thank you to Jim Thompson, our friend out of South Dakota, for that great introduction. Folks, this was a, a while in the making, and it is very intimidating to start a podcast. So we appreciate you joining us here as we get the wheels under us. We're going to take it back to the beginning as we identify who the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance is here in this first podcast, who we are, why we formed, where we're going, what's changed, that sort of thing. Then as we go forward, future podcasts, we're going to dive into some specific topics. We're going to talk about soil health. We're going to talk about dung beetles. We're going to talk about our favorite cows and some old ranch stories. So it's going to be uh, going a lot of different places, but we got to lay this groundwork first. So here we go. I guess the most logical place to start is the beginning. The year was 2003. I just graduated high school in Glasgow, Montana. An hour down the highway to the west, there was a storm of ruin. Two relatively unknown buyers were not only curious in the market, but they were active in the market for Montana ranch land. It's been told back to us by media covering our story as a David and Goliath situation. So I'm going to let that unfold a bit here as we take the first podcast to, again, lay that groundwork. It's not the comfortable part of the story, but we are going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about the fire that it lit and the subsequent passion and community that it found. I don't have to explain it to folks in rural America, but for those that aren't way out here, as country music star Josh Thompson would croon, let me paint you a picture. There's more cows than people. The land is mostly flat, goes on forever. Your nearest neighbor is likely a good drive away, and that drive is gravel if you're lucky. You don't see people, people don't see you, land comes up for sale, and you can bet that there's going to be competition to buy it, as any old rancher would tell you. They don't make more. But typically, you do know who that competition is. So that is where we're starting today, and I am going to introduce you now to the two guys that really are the ones with the knowledge of this background, starting with Leo Barthelmus. Now, both he and Dale Vseth, our guests on today's program, founding members of the Rancher Stewardship Alliance and current board members, Leo serves as the president. My great-grandfather left Germany in 1868 and came to the United States and joined cavalry, and he died at Fort Keogh as an elderly man. My grandfather was 16 at that time, and as a means of supporting his mother and siblings. He went to work for local ranches, which was largely populated by 
Texas immigrants that came up with the trail drives. And then he homesteaded in 1913 when he was of age. Uh, and that's where the family started its ranching career. And uh, so then my father moved us here in 1964 with a little short stop off in Fort Peck, Montana. And uh, so I've been here, I'm, I've been here half as long as Dale. <laughs> Not that you're old, Dale, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, ranch-wise. Dale Vseth ranches with his family on the Vseth Cattle Company south of Malta. They have just passed their 80-year mark as a ranch in the region, being founded in 1942. Their cow-calf and seed stock, and if you're ever in the market for some quality Red Angus bulls with a well-thought-out lineage, I may just know a guy, but I digress. He also is one of the founding members of the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance and currently serves as our vice president. He sets the stage for what the mood in the region was like 20 years ago. In the local community, I think uh, we felt a lot of stress. We would go through a three-year drought that would take, in the immediate area, at least a third of the cattle off the ranches. Um, we had some new interest in landowners. It was uh, um, folks that the local community had never worked with before. Uh, the Nature Conservancy bought the Matador Ranch. It's a 60,000-acre ranch. It was the first ranch in Phillips County. Um, I, I always call it the flagship ranch. Um, to follow that up, the American Prairie F Foundation at that time uh, bought a ranch, and their goal was to run free-roaming bison over a, a couple of million acres. And so... With these, we, we also had uh, uh, endangered species concerns. Uh, at the time, there was interest in uh, black-footed ferrets and our black-tailed prairie dog populations. Uh, sage grouse, golden eagles were also uh, becoming of more interest. All of these were, um, were factors in what uh, was concerning the community. Something that's only natural for human nature is that we all give an elevated quality for something because it's home, right? We will pay more for the neighbor's place because it's right next to ours. We feel a bond to that land because it's the land where we grew up. But people were starting to notice our home, and it was something that they wanted. And there was this hanging question as to why. Well, it turns out we were sitting on a gold mine of grass. More specifically, intact grasslands. The northern Great Plains, especially the region of Phillips County and Roundup Montana North, is the largest intact grassland left in the world. So there's a huge amount of conservation values here. A large portion of it is not suitable for tillage. So that leaves the grazing community left to fill in the gap for food production and preservation of the ecology and restoration of more ecology so that you know it's an interest there's a huge number of birds that nest here that are in declining populations there are wildlife populations here that are common that are kind of uncommon there's some antelope migration routes that are also 
the longest in North America. So there, there's a lot of values here besides agriculture and food. And, uh, and the wonderful thing is in grasslands, we can probably work together in a cooperative manner and all benefit from some synergy. Synergy. It's a big word here. And it catapulted us to the next step for the Rancher Stewardship Alliance. This group of people, more used to being around a faithful ranch dog than another human, let alone a human they don't know, got involved in conversations surrounding the future of the geographic community. I'll continue to come back to it, but there was fear and there was panic with these new unknown land buyers. There was fatigue from constantly struggling with cyclical drought and a watchful government eye over species that may or may not warrant endangered species listing. Community meetings were held in the geographic area to see what exactly the future could look like. And this is where we insert a self-proclaimed shy rancher. That was the first time I ever really had a voice in a meeting of any size. There were 29, 30 people, 35 people there. We sat in a large circle, answered a grounding question, something that we could all identify with. Um, And uh, we just talked and talked and talked and learned about each other. And at breaks times, you actually talked about family or you talked about where you're from. And, you know, you actually built a relationship. You could be adversaries but still have a civil conversation with each other. And I was very impressed with that process. So explain to us who would have been present at these meetings. You said local area ranchers, the Nature Conservancy. Who else made up the the population of those 29, 30 folks? And, and Dale, please correct me if I, I don't quite get the attendance correct. But again, as you said, there was the local ranchers, husbands, spouses, wives and spouses. Uh, there, I think there may have been an agency person or two maybe. And, and there was a Nature Conservancy. They, they pulled together to meet him. And there was one or two people, I think, from the Conservancy and early on, or maybe at the second meeting, the American Prairie Foundation people were there. But, you know, there was a diverse group of people. There were some agency people. There was, But mostly it was ranchers and the two newest landowners in the region, let's say. Um, so we just started talking. And, and amazingly enough, there were people that I knew of, but I didn't know about or know well. And... And those were positive relationships came out of that as well. Sitting in a room talking, I know that that's what every rancher wants to do, right? (laughs) But a lot of very neat, for lack of a better word, things came out of these meetings. Number one, those relationships, those partnerships. We talked about the perceived David and Goliaths. Well, one of those Goliaths was the Nature Conservancy. They're the folks that bought the Matador Ranch. They actually were able to work with ranchers in establishing a grass bank in which ranchers would come and graze cattle in commons on the Matador Ranch, and it helped to alleviate some of the pressure that those very ranchers were feeling to downsize in a time of drought. It's a stellar story. We'll talk about that completely in a future podcast. Another thing, and thankfully, because now I have a job, that came out of these meetings was the formation of the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance. In short, 30-plus ranch families in the region realized that they wanted a more formal seat at the table. Hours and hours and hours <laughs> of meetings and, and <laughs> you know, commitment from community members. Every, every rancher in the, in the region has spent hours supporting this cause. Uh, 
and and you you took the time because you were in a facilitated meeting and you were tried to be on your best behavior and not create conflict and try and listen deeply to what people who they were and what they really had to say and when the Rancher Stewardship Alliance or the group first started, we had zero budget. All we had was gasoline, drinks, and a vehicle, and we would host range tours. And, you know, you get lots of subjects talked about with your adversaries if you're all sitting in the same vehicle. And that's literally what we did. We built those relationships on looking at the same piece of ground. They, they, were, they were literally, we all shared the same experience. And over time... Well, you know, I can, I can, you know, have a conversation with this person, and and uh, apparently they felt that about me too, because I still have conversations with those people. So whoever they were, whether it's a neighbor or or, but you know, it, we just invested hours in each other, and that's you know, and though and those groups of you know, well, I know this guy. His name's Dale Vesith, or his name's Leo Barthemus, or his name's Troy Blunt. You know, let's reach out to him. Maybe he can help us with this, or maybe he knows somebody that can, or, or there's this group now, you know. And that, that's basically how it went, was just an investment in relationships with each other, whether it was be rancher to rancher, because I didn't know Dale very well before all this started, or whether it was conservationist to rancher or conservationist to conservationist. There has been an evolution for the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance since it got put together coming out of these meetings. It was formed by 30 ranch families. If that doesn't tell you the power behind this, I don't know what will. But a lot of the early discussion was on maybe establishing another grass bank, someplace for people to graze, maybe figuring out ways for easements to help to get people to be able to buy land and compete with some of these outside landowners. I guess that it mainly goes back to the young producer because now we have folks that aren't tied to agricultural production that are are bidding or are competitors in these land exchanges. And to get young people in, they have to pay for it with agriculture. Easements, grass banks, it's something that has not happened with the Rangers Stewardship Alliance. Not that it couldn't happen. If it was in the best interest and the board agreed that it was a move that should be made, but it's nothing that is currently on the table. The elephant in the room, we've still got one more Goliath to talk about. And when people first learn about the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance, they learn where our location is. This is the number one question that we get. What is your relationship with American Prairie? They are that other Goliath a multi-million dollar funded Goliath in the market to buy land in the Northern Great Plains. American Prairie Foundation, American Prairie Reserve, American Prairie. It's had some name changes throughout the years. At the end of the day, going back to their website, it still reads that their mission is to create one of the largest nature reserves in the United States. Their aim is to do this with a patchwork of privately owned, deeded land and public lands. At the Ranger Stewardship Alliance, it's important to us that we hold our head high, we keep our shoulders back, and we focus on what we can impact. And we can impact a lot. But we also have to address that there is this pressure on what we do. Well, you know, they they came to the 
came to the community and bought property, likes the right of every every American or resident in the country. So, you know, they were just exercising, but it, it did create a lot of anxiety in the community because they were pretty clear about their intentions. And Rancher Stewardship Alliance, you know, my take on it early and, and was, personally, was that we formed our nonprofit largely to establish a second grass bank, maybe pooling resources, and and uh, but mostly we wanted a seat at the table to help guide the change that was going to occur. We we never had any intention of stopping anybody from doing anything. We just wanted to participate because the change was here and we were part of it. So less help with the change or less provide a place yeah. for. The community in this changing landscape be part of the solution and i guess that's uh, it, uh, one of my core beliefs is uh, uh i i like to see uh local participation in a lot of long-term goals part of the solution that sounds like a great place to quit focusing on the past start looking towards the future to see what we can do a nonprofit was founded. One of the first things that it enabled our group to do was apply for grants, starting with the Musser grant. We applied for um, the Musser Fund grant, and that was a $35,000 grant. And basically, that was to go out over the continental U.S. to find like places like ourselves and to see if uh, small communities had, uh, if you will, change, uh, change their plight into the future. And so we went to seven, seven different areas um, or seven different local nonprofits. And out of that, I guess the first thing we found is uh, going into this, we thought we were we were maybe the picked on children in, in agriculture that this, we were probably in the worst situation there was. But most of us agreed after we had gone that uh, everybody in agriculture has problems and some people probably had worse problems than we did. Like I said, head high, shoulders back, eyes on the future. If you're going to have a nonprofit, you better have some words to guide you. And they put those together beautifully. We've got a mission. We've got a purpose. We've got a vision. Here is what it looks like. The mission of the Rancher Stewardship Alliance. Ranching, conservation, communities. A winning team. The purpose. Rancher Stewardship Alliance exists to help multi-generational and beginning ranchers, build the collaborative trusting relationships and community-based solutions we need to create healthy working landscapes and vibrant rural communities. And lastly, the vision. We believe in a future where ranching and rural communities are so successful in the northern Great Plains that ranch families never need to consider selling or transitioning their land out of production agriculture. Opportunities are abundant for new agriculturists. We have preserved the integrity of working lands so that people, economies, wildlife, and natural landscapes may flourish. The Rancher Stewardship Alliance has grown. It's morphed as a nonprofit. We now have actual employees, which, after going over a decade, run primarily on volunteer staffing. This was huge. 
We've got our board of directors, which currently features Leo Barthemus, Dale Visath, Tyrell Obrecht, Vicki Olson, and Aaron Oxart, as well as Rick Coughlin, Amber Smith, and Connie French. Each of those board members is split out into different committees. We've got four in total that also include a lot of volunteer members. So that's something we're always looking for. The breakdown of the committees, we've got fundraising. Of course, you need that. Grant money is great for projects, but you have to figure out how to cover overhead as well. Another is our Beginning Rancher Committee. We just finished up a series of basic ranch bookkeeping webinars. Great turnout. We're going to be hosting a ranch tour. Back to the old days like Leo talked about, September 7th in Turner. And then the third, arguably our shining star on the committee front, is our conservation committee. Do not let that go to our conservation coordinator's head. This is the committee that has allowed us to create relationships with some unlikely partners. Something near and dear to my heart because uh, when we went down to the Blackfoot Challenge with the Muster Fund grant, we toured on a bus. We, they had several buses of people. And at the end of the day, we were eating dinner, and they called me up to the mic, and they said, well, what would you like to do for South Phillips County? And I said, I'd like to copy a lot of what the Blackfoot Challenges has shown me here today, that it was outstanding. And then um, I'd say maybe 12, 10, 12 years later, we were approached by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Partners about uh, uh, working more closely with RSA. I wasn't, I wasn't the leader with that, but uh, Leo, several, several uh, of the directors were, and it uh, has grown. And I'm not up to the statistics, but. Uh, We've had a tremendous impact on a three-county area. So three counties, like Dale said, it's Blaine, Phillips, and Valley counties. And honestly, we could go bigger if we had more staff to do so. It's big country up here. As we look at what is done with the Conservation Committee, Leo gave me an example of how each of these partners can step up to the table in order to help with one project and create a big impact. So... Ranch X has a CRP allotment, maybe a small adjoining farm acreage, and in the middle of a large rangeland and they grazing operation, and and they they choose not to farm anymore, and so uh, that would could be a typical. The CRP maybe's got a boundary fence and no water on it. The farm ground may not have water on it. Uh, the soils are marginal, so the ranch entity has decided that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could seed that farm ground back to grass? And then if we could put in a water system to supply both the existing grasslands for the CRP as the new grass, and then maybe we can put a boundary fence on and manage it separately from the native rangelands that's adjacent to. So that project would require fencing, grass seeding, water line, a well, and there's four four different separate projects involved in Ranch X here. So maybe we have uh, Burger King and World Wildlife Fund. They're going to they're going to provide all the seed for the farm ground. And then maybe we have Fish Wildland Parks going to help build a build a fence, a wildlife friendly fence and 
and we're going to have um, the RSA is going to fund part of a well or all of a well, and and another entity that we work with maybe okay, well we can put in a pipeline and a couple water tanks, and so there might be four or five or six entities, each with a budget specifically for a portion of that project because their charters allow them to fund those kinds of things, and so these multiple entities will come together and put these projects together and the rancher is is uh, creating more grazing properties for himself he's helping out his existing native lands or other acreages uh, new wildlife habitat uh, bird studies have been done proving that our bird populations are increasing marginally because there's more grasslands and they're better, better managed grasslands so so it, you know there's four or five or six or seven entities all involved in and supporting these projects and we come together and and everybody works together to get a project done. I'll have you know that all I did was ask Leo on the spot for an example of what the conservation committee could do and he just went wild with it but there are a ton of opportunities there. We're going to take a sneak peek at what 2022 looked like by the numbers for conservation and to preface this for folks that aren't in our region 2022 drought year. It followed drought years. So water projects definitely taking preference. We were able to put in eight new water wells for enhanced water system stock tanks, 40 livestock tanks installed with 26 bird escape ramps. We also put in 16.13 miles of pipeline for enhanced water systems. Along with that, added in 51.34 miles of wildlife-friendly fencing, six miles of temporary fencing, and restored just over 5,200 acres of grassland. I'm going to add a little asterisk to this because when it comes to some of these projects, like drilling a well or digging a pipeline, we often have more energy and more capacity to do more. We simply do not have the skilled labor available to us to get the job done in the tight window that Montana allows. So so some great opportunity for somebody that might have an interest in that industry and want to be ag adjacent. Last but not least, one of our committees that knows no geographic bounds, and that is the Education and Communication Committee, which does just what you might expect. We identify different places where our ranchers can benefit from some continuing education. We can talk about carbon credits. We can talk about grazing with ungulates. We can talk about soil health, succession planning, anything our ranchers identify as something they want more knowledge on. We can help to create those opportunities. And 20 years in the making, the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance community has been founded. The biggest change was the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance. In, in our family, that the, the change in direction all of a sudden, we were very, very traditional, uh, doing a few innovative grazing things, and then the Ranchers Stewardship Alliance, and suddenly going from a shy country you know, country school attendee to being thrust in the middle of all of these meetings and opportunities to be, you know, support ranching it, you know, you know, verbally and physically and through a nonprofit. That's that's why we're here. We're building a community, and it's just bigger than ranching now. As our mission statement says, ranching, conservation, community, a winning team, and 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 that's a big community in the very in any sense of the word we have a big community now i guess that was one of my 
one of my underlying things too is I was uh, uh, trying to save the ranch and work that I kept saying to myself that I don't think it should be this hard for for people in agriculture because it was there were were extremely stressful times and so this is one of the things that it looks like we're doing some good out there. Salts of the earth. When we heard from Jim Thompson in our introduction, he mentioned that as part of the summary for the Ranch Stewards podcast. I love that phrase. Obviously, you can tell these two gentlemen exude that. I am so excited to keep on introducing you to these people, their backgrounds, their dreams, their goals, their quirks, their interests, as we continue on with the Ranch Stewards podcast. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Ranch Stewards Podcast, a project of the Rancher Stewardship Alliance. If you like what you heard, head to ranchstewards.org or follow the Rancher Stewardship Alliance on Facebook and Instagram.